this is some of my best work. I'm Jane Rocker, music and culture journalist. Amy Shepherd of The Band Shepherd was looking for a photo to post on her Instagram one day. The photo, the sentiment attached to it, and the buzz it created would lead to a movement that inspired the song Kiss My Fat Ass, which she considers some of her best work to date. It's not often you hear of a song inspired by an Instagram post, but that's where it all started. Listen out for a scoop towards the end of the episode. Shepard have a Christmas carol out, are working on a new album, and Amy's got some unexpected news too. You heard it here first. But she's not the first Shepard on the podcast. A couple of episodes ago, her brother George told the story of their hit, Geronimo. Check it out if you haven't already. Links are in the episode notes. Here it is, some of Amy Shepard's best work and the story of her song, Kiss My Fat Ass. So I wrote this song uh, with George and Jay in 2019. It was um, the first song we wrote when we were writing for um, Kaleidoscope Eyes, which is um, our latest album. Yeah, we just got into the studio and we had two weeks at this West End studio called Alchemix and um, we were just like, okay, what are we going to write about? What are we going to write about? Thinking, you know, umming and ahhing because we really want to start writing songs, wanted to start writing songs that just meant a little bit more to us. Obviously, I just put my hand up and decided that we'd sing about Kiss My Fat Ass because it was such a, a relevant topic in my life at that point. I had this whole Instagram movement going on, uh, women sharing their Kiss My Fat Ass photos all across Instagram. So the best way that I can, I guess, process everything that was happening in my life was to write a song about it. And tell me then where the song took you because I figure it's not just the song but it's clearly the message and where it put you mm. mentally beyond that, right? Yeah, the song is just so empowering not only for me but for other people and I think that's what gives it such power it's become um, an anthem for not just women but people just to say like I am who I am and I'm just sick of being fed all of these lies and potions and teas and all of this crap that supposedly makes you a better person so I think that's really the message that I wanted to portray to people and get across to people is that we are more than how we look you know we're not just there to be pretty ornaments we're there to um, experience life and we can't experience life to the fullest while we're you know hiding and trying to be something other than what we're not and I guess it's it's a great message though to have someone like you in that pop music space that is there talking about empowerment empowering yourself through loving who you are what got Mm. you to the point where you realized well I need to love who I am I can't live this lie thinking that I have to be a certain way. I am who Mm. I am. I guess I just got sick of the whole um, hamster wheel of yo-yo dieting and feeling like I was useless and worthless um, unless I looked like the um, quintessential pop star, you know. I I always wanted to have the, I guess, Katy Perry look, you know, in a leotard and um, (laughs) I don't know, I just had that subconscious Uh, messaging in my brain implanted about how I should look as a pop star and it took me a long time to realize that that's just bullshit and that what makes me a good pop star quote unquote or a good artist is not 
how I look. Like that's such a small part of the puzzle. You know, I could have spent all that time worrying that I spent worrying about dieting and what I should be eating, what I should be, you know, training. And I could have used all that energy and put it into my music and my art form. And so that's really what this song is about. It's like just saying that I've had enough of this and I'm just going to be from now on focusing on my art rather than my body. Tell us about the connection to the hashtag as well, because I I think I recall you saying that the hashtag came first, right? And then the song, and then there's this groundswell of women coming together, feeling like, well, not just women, you know, even people that don't identify as female Mm. coming together, but feeling like, yes, this song speaks to me. This hashtag totally speaks to me. Yeah. So it all began when um, I was looking for content and I was going on Instagram, you know, the whole, oh my God, I'm not going to post anything and Instagram's going to um, punish me for not posting. So I was going through all of these photos that I'd taken and I came across this one photo and I was standing by the pool and Lockie, my partner, had taken a photo of me and I really loved the whole aesthetic of the photo. And I was like, oh yeah, this is going to go off. But And then I looked at the photo and I was like, okay, I've got cellulite up my legs. I'll just face tune that out and it'll be the perfect bikini shot. So I spent the next 10 minutes airbrushing the back of my legs and my arms and everything else and, you know, put a filter on it so I was more tanned. And then by the time I'd finished editing the photo, I looked back at it and I just looked like a Barbie doll. And I just, for some reason, like I'd facetuned before and it was just, it didn't come from like trying to, a place of trying to deceive people, but it just came from a self-conscious place, you know, of just trying to fit into what I thought people wanted to see on Instagram um, I, did, I didn't think that if I had posted the photo as I was that it would do what it did. Anyway, I looked back at this photo after editing it and I just felt guilty. Like I was about to post this photo and, you know, previous photos that I had edited, girls were commenting like, oh my God, like didn't you just come back from Europe? I saw you eating croissants yesterday and how do you look like that? You know, and I was just a fraud at that point. I, I really, you know, I had a lightning bolt moment where I was like, I can't do this anymore it's not fair and it's not what I want to portray it's not the message that I want to give out there you know I'm sick of pretending to be someone that I'm not so I posted the photo without um, all the face tuning and I kind of threw my threw my phone to the side because I was like oh just another failed day on Instagram (laughs) Um, and then when I went back to my phone a couple of hours later I was actually like gobsmacked because the photo had gone pretty much viral and I had never had that many comments and likes on a photo before um, and it was all just people saying thank you so much like we need to see more of this on Instagram um, I had dms from all around the world and I just was really taken aback by how shocked people were to see someone um, I guess in the public eye or just anyone any woman showing cellulite and being I guess having a positive spin to it so um, that's really where the hashtag kiss my fat ass started. Um, cause it all came from the caption. And then I had women from all around the world sharing their kiss my fat ass photos in support. And it was just really beautiful to see, um, women who were feeling the same way that I was feeling. And yeah, I think that's yeah why I'm so proud of this whole movement and the song is because it just has impacted people, real people and their real lives. I get DMS every single day with women saying, thank you. You know, and I, I, it's funny because I, I, I'm just being me. I'm not really like, all I'm doing is not pretending to be someone that I'm not.
So tell me, I'm trying to imagine, you know, you being on the stage and suddenly, as you say, your song's popular, you're well-known, you're touring, like life goes 100 miles an hour. How do you sort of find yourself fitting into that model of fame or just being noticed or people knowing the song Geronimo and and Mm -hmm. then obviously now this hashtag and this song? Just curious how you adapted to all that because you are all siblings. I wonder if they all knew how you were feeling through all this as well. Yeah, I think definitely like George and Jay have always been really supportive of Emma and I and um, we're really lucky that we're a close unit. Um, you know, I consider Jay as, as my brother because he's been with us for so long um, and he is just, yeah, George and Jay are just really um, kind men. They're really, uh, yeah, they have never made us feel like we're, not beautiful and then you know whenever we're dieting they're like oh like it's so much more fun and just we just have so much more energy when we're not dieting or when I wasn't dieting but anyway like with the rise of Geronimo yeah my dieting definitely just got worse and I've I remember being on tour and just like not eating because you know you're stressed you're not even hungry and also you're doing things like photo shoots and video clips and you have to fit into these sample sizes and I wasn't fitting into these sample sizes so I kind of just yeah, really was went on strict diets and just tried to get as small as I possibly could. Um, I don't think I ever fit, fit into those sample sizes, by the way. <laughs> I don't know how small I could have possibly, how smaller I could have become. But yeah, it's just, go. it just goes to show the, the amount of pressure that uh, is on women. It wasn't until the Kiss My Fat Ass movement that I realized that, you know, the world can kind of work around me being not a size zero. Like we, everything is figure outable. Like I can hire stylists who will fit a size 12 girl or a 14, whatever I am at the time. And I don't need to fit into a box. Can we sort of reflect on who some of your female icons were growing up or anyone mm. that you still admire very much today? Definitely growing up I and still am a huge fan of Stevie Nicks. Um, I just think that she, you know, dances to the beat of her own drum, which is really cool. And then just, I guess, coming from the 90s, <laughs> I think I said this to you earlier that I was a huge fan of Celine Dion. Um, and that's pretty much why I started singing because I just thought her, I still think her voice is phenomenal. They don't come like that <laughs> very often. So I used to always try and like emulate Celine Dion's voice. Um, so that's probably why I got into singing actually. But yeah, these days, definitely the likes of yeah, Stevie Nicks and in the Australian music industry, I love Tones and I, like she's just doing her own thing and I just, she's so unique and they're the types of people that I look up to because they're, I don't know, they're just unique and different and not conforming. Like Sia as well, Alicia Keys, all those people who are really just confident in who they are. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with your mum because she's a great supporter of, mm-hmm. of all of you, but particularly how in the way she's raised you has raised a very resilient woman that even though you fell into the dieting sort of rat race, you knew how to climb out of it and stop doing that to yourself. Yeah. Uh, my mum is a beautiful woman. She is just like, I don't know, she needs to be knighted or something because she's such a strong, resilient person. You know, she went through her own struggles with her body image, but it's been nice like since Kiss My Fat Ass came out, we've actually, between the three of us, Emma, mum and myself we've been able to sort of build each other up a little bit more and just leave that part of our lives behind but obviously mums being mums always think that you're the most beautiful thing that they've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) but it's been nice to just say like 
I guess, to realize the impact that your role models can have on you. And even just like me having an impact on Emma and, and me having impact on my mom and the way that she sees herself, it's been really beautiful to see the, um, the ripple effect. Can we talk about the video clip and uh, when you had the idea for it? I mean, was there always going to be a clip with it and, and, and all the women in, involved in it? Yeah, so we actually had the idea for the video clip as we were writing it because it, you could just see it, almost like a little bit of a Billie Eilish uh, feel to it. And, you know, there's a line that says, time to slay the monster. And then George does this monster growl <laughs> that we recorded, which is really funny. Yeah, so we always had the vision that we'd have like a group of girls, but we had the idea that we wanted to do blurred lines, but less sexualized. <laughs> Burley supported us and uh, sponsored everybody with the bra and undies. And I, ch- I purposely chose neutral underwear that wasn't sexy. And I chose about 12 women to be in my video clip from all around Australia. It was a beautiful day when we finally all got in the same room. Uh, I think there was, there were a lot of nerves about stripping down to our underwear and um, yeah, essentially walking into frame and doing whatever you do. So I picked women who were particularly good in their fields at what they do. So it was just like, I guess, portrayed that women are more than just how they look. So I had my good friends, Jules, she's my hairdresser and she's actually an incredible dancer. Yeah. She's got phenomenal tattoos and she's just like, yeah, such a ball of energy. I had uh, Kayla Truth, who's um, an indigenous rapper here in Brisbane, I had Kara Saunders, who's a CrossFit athlete, because I really wanted to show strong bodies and just bodies in diff- all different shapes and sizes. I had a um, transgender woman. Um, I had a Paralympian, Mon Murphy. So I did, I tried my hardest to get um, a variety of different women who do incredible things. And it was such a beautiful day, um, but definitely nerve wracking. It was really interesting to see just how scary it could be but I think once everyone was stripped down and everyone had their turn in front of the camera it just became so much fun and that's really the message that I want to give out there it's like yes it's scary at first to put yourself out there but once you take off the um the robe I guess so to speak and jump into the pool in your bikinis it's um yeah your life is just so much better like the curtains finally pulled back and once you have that perspective on life there's no going back Tell me what's next for you, Amy. Um, I mean, in terms of music and, and working with, with the band and doing things on your own as well. <laughs> yes. So we have a Christmas song out and that's going to take us through to the end of the year. We've got a few little Christmassy shows this year. Um, and then we're going to start writing album number four next year. We had a little writing session with someone in Sweden um, last night and the night before. And yeah, it's really exciting just to have a different vibe we're, we're, we're trying to work out what we want to write about and how we want the album to sound at the moment but I've also been working on a country music album which is exciting so I haven't really announced that publicly yet but um I guess I am now yeah so that's really exciting for me personally because I just feel like every time I write music it just has a bit of a country twang to it <laughs> a country feel to it and you can probably hear that in some of the Shepherd songs yeah, I'm very excited to get that out. I think I'll be surprising a few people there. I'm very excited about it and I do want you to tell us a bit more if you're okay to do so. Yeah, I mean, of course. a little about your your curiosity about country or when you first heard it. Um any particular songs or even Australian artists that that you love? 
I've really been a fan of country music since I was young. Our dad used to wake us up with country music blasting. So, I mean, it did annoy me. That really annoyed me. But but I was exposed to a lot of great country artists from a young age. And I think that's just really had a huge influence on the way that I write music. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to get out there. I've written a, a couple of songs with the Wolf Brothers um, and they're a um, great country act who I'm hoping to do a few more songs with. They're great songwriters. And then we'll see. I'll try and get out there a little bit more, see what festivals might be popping up once again. But, yeah, in terms of influences, definitely more pop country. Obviously, I'm a pop writer. So, yeah, I guess along the lines of Casey Musgraves and Kelsey Bellarini, that style of songwriting is, is the I guess, the demographic that I'm hitting. Could I just come back to in terms of what you consider some career highlights for you with Shepherd and being on the road or just those pinch yourself moments where you've gone, wow, particularly now the last couple of years, we've had to deal with the pandemic and change mm. the way we live our lives. Do you look back and go, I'm so amazed we got to do that? Absolutely. We've, had, we've been so fortunate. We've had some really crazy things happen to us, including like Ellen and Jimmy Fallon and played in front of hundreds of thousands of people at a time. It all just feels like such a whirlwind. But, you know, we're just as excited when we you know, came back after the pandemic, after a lockdown and got to play to an audience again. Uh, and just feeling that energy of the crowd who were so excited to be at a show again, standing. And I think there were still, there are still masks going around, but um, you could just feel the energy, even though you couldn't see their, their expressions. <laughs> yeah, the buzz is in the air and, I, and we get a thrill out of that, just the thought of being able to tour and connect with our fans again, because that's what we love. You know, there's a lot of promo and a lot of um, things to do behind the scenes especially when you're touring, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes before you hit the stage. But once you hit the stage, that's definitely, it has always been the highlight of our careers, being able to connect with our fans and see the impact that our songs are having. That's the best part of our job. Could I ask if you think the pop music industry, particularly your connection with it in Australia, and particularly after this song and all the attention you got from it, have things changed for women in the biz? Or do you think, I mean, obviously a lot more work needs to be done. Mm. But do you think that yeah. in, since the song was written that there's been a shift that, or, or not? Is this just one of those draconian things that just, it's, it's a dinosaur, it's hard to move? I think it is hard to move, but I think there has been some progress for sure. Um, and you can see that in the likes of Sia who made that whole movement about not being wanting to be seen. And I think it just, you know, having these conversations and, um, yeah, just we're making baby steps, <laughs> let's just say. I think there's a long way to go, but I do also think that people are more aware in the last couple of years that, um, yeah, women are sick of, we're sick of it. And can I ask you too if there's an element of this song that you've, taken forward with you whether it be on the country album or maybe songs that you're going to put on the table with Shepherd, a similar message of female empowerment or do you think you've done it with this and that's kind of it or will there always be an element there oh there'll always be an element there as I said earlier like once you have this perspective on life there's no going back so I think you could definitely hear it in if not whole songs, definitely lines. Um, there's a song on Kaleidoscope Eyes called Animals and that's got similar themes. So for sure there's going to be other songs um, of women empowerment popping up. And I can't wait to I can't wait to hear them and write them. 
Amy Shepard and some of her best work, Kiss My Fat Ass. Check out the film clip if you haven't already. You can get early and ad-free episodes by becoming a subscriber. Check out the episode notes for more information or the Mushroom channel in Apple Podcasts. I'm Jane Rocker. Thanks for listening.